0: hi i'm ashley harned welcome to patent pod in this episode we will hear about a conversation that i had at mountain view elementary school with mr logan buffington Logan shared his journey to becoming a special education teacher, starting as a paraprofessional in an autism support classroom. He was so inspired by his experience that he pursued his teaching degree and landed his dream position, teaching kindergarten students with autism. Learning how to implement effective instructional practices changed his life. And now he is changing the lives of every student that walks through his door. We were also joined by Mrs. Danielle Leshack, Supervisor of Special Education with the Central Dauphin School District, and Amy Miller, Educational Consultant with the Pennsylvania Training and Technical Assistance Network. Let's take a look. I'd like to welcome Logan Buffington, Autism Support Teacher here at Mountain View Elementary School, Danielle Leshack, Supervisor of Special Education with the Central Dauphin School District, and Amy Miller, Educational Consultant with the Pennsylvania Training and Technical Assistance Network. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Morning, Ashley. Logan, we're going to get started with you today. What inspired you to work with students with disabilities? Can you tell us your story? How did you arrive here at Mountain View Elementary?
1: So Ashley, I have a little bit of a unique journey um, coming into to work in special education. Um, so growing up, I was always fascinated with science um, and I, I knew I wanted to help people. That's just something that that I grew up with. Um, and so I decided, I think it was like sixth grade when I decided that I was gonna be a doctor. Um, and I followed all of those plans throughout high school and my undergraduate degree is in biochemistry. Um, and I, I decided that's what I was gonna do. Um, and Uh, To frame it a little bit, I grew up with my mother as a a teacher, so um, I always grew up around educators and special educators, um, and my two god cousins, my godparents' children, they are twins and they both um, were diagnosed with autism at a very young age and received services throughout um, our youth and were the same age. So I grew up seeing a lot of the supports, talking about education, talking about special education, um, but never really knowing fully what it was. Um, And then throughout a lot of the experiences that I had shadowing and interning um, and whatnot and working in hospitals and medical practices and different healthcare settings, I saw um, kind of barriers and gaps between healthcare providers and students with disabilities and children with disabilities. Um, And so I think I kind of decided that it was my charge in life, my vocation to meet that gap and to become a practitioner that served specifically students with disabilities. And that was my goal. And then I graduated undergraduate degree in in 2020, so the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I decided that um, I didn't want to start a graduate education in medicine online. So I was looking for a gap year opportunity, something to learn. um, And my mom worked at Linglestown Middle School, and there was an opening there for an autism support paraprofessional. And um, I thought this would be a really great experience to gain some transferable skills into a career in medicine That working with students with disabilities, providing an inclusive environment, strategies to use, all of those things that could help me pursue my later career, and this was kind of supposed to be a stepping stone, and then I fell in love with it, and the best laid plans changed, and I realized that I was so happy working in special education that I decided to stay
0: wow well i can attest firsthand to the classrooms that you're describing that you worked in at lingolstown um, middle school but i am completely blown away that you abandon your uh, dream to be a physician to pursue special education was there anything specifically about special education that you were really attracted to Can you tell us a little bit about, um, again, your training in special education and what those maybe things were that really led you down to becoming a teacher?
1: Sure. And I want to say first, I, I don't think I abandoned a career in medicine, right? That was my dream at one time. And I think I found a new dream and one that makes me even happier. Um, so working in the field of special education isn't a second best. It wasn't a, a plan B for me. It was mm. something that I never thought about, and it became plan A very quickly once I realized the impact that it had. So um, as I said, I was at Linglestown Middle School, and I was in the classrooms of Danielle Shack <laughs> and Alicia Bruno, who's now a, a patent educational consultant as well. Um, and working in that classroom showed me how important special education is. Um, and not just within that classroom, but in a global perspective and i think just seeing firsthand the changes in the students lives and the relationships that we were able to build in those classrooms and under the lead of mrs LaShack and mrs bruno it it was just a magical experience Um, mrs bruno always says we had the pass to disneyland and i think we really did because it was a great experience every single day Um, seeing our student outcomes the way students gain skills gain quality of life and gain independence made me realize how important special education is. And it helped me to be, become a lifelong learner as well, because I've signed on as a teacher to constantly be learning and trying to do better for my students. And I think, you know, falling back in love with learning and falling in love with the students is really what brought me to special education. Um, and there's a lot of reasons to stay. And which one of those is the training provided in Mrs. Leshak and Mrs. Bruno's room, and with the help of patent consultation. It's just, it was wonderful and giving me a foundation to be a confident and competent classroom leader. And I think without that preparation, I would not feel as confident that this is the journey that I'm meant to be on. So I'm grateful that I had that experience and continue to get to work with the people that provided me that initial exposure to special education and helped me fall in love with learning again.
2: Well, I have to say, I'm gonna interrupt to say that I think your journey to becoming a teacher is a lot different than mine was. And probably um, Mm -hmm. Alicia and Danielle would say the same, but I do feel like I should say I trained Logan on his very first day as a paraprofessional at Linglestown Middle School. Day one, we had a mini boot camp virtually because we are at the height of the pandemic. So I do think that Central Dolphin School District and the parents of these students kind of Oh me a little bit of (laughs) right? I'm just saying, Logan, if that training would have been different. It's true. You may not have fallen in love with it just as much.
1: Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. (laughs) I know that it was the work of Danielle and Alicia
2: and It's a team effort. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: And just the training. So what I hear you guys all highlighting um, is the training that was provided. And when you know what you are supposed to be doing and you're able to implement what you're asked to do and it works, you see change, students respond. And when students respond, you're reinforced by their responses and seeing that change, living that change, the environment improves, you're able to provide more instruction with the more that you learn. Um, That's really the power of evidence-based practices and again, knowing what's expected of you and how to best support your students. But I know that the passion um, that you observed within the classrooms you came from, So. From Danny, from Alicia, that has now transferred here into your classroom. Um, now that you are the teacher leader, um, so Danny, I want to turn this over to you and ask you a little bit about your experiences as the classroom teacher. You previously had Logan in your classroom as a para educator, mm-hmm. and you were the classroom teacher. So do you have any stories to share with us about Logan's time as a paraeducator in your classroom? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Hopefully she picks a good
3: one <laughs>
0: yeah. I I have lots of good stories about Logan um,
3: as a paraprofessional within our classroom. Uh, You know, I first wanna start off with saying the way that we framed our classrooms at Linglestown Middle School was myself, plus Alicia Bruno that we're um, referencing today. And we kind of formed uh, what we called one program. So even though they were two separate classrooms, we operated as one giant program. So we had all of our paraprofessionals and students switching between both classrooms. Um, Logan's desire to learn and his drive automatically stuck out to us as we knew he had a very bright future Um, But in particular, we had a student who um, wasn't too keen on working with new people or didn't necessarily enjoy changes but we had to teach him how to adapt to change and be around new people. So we trained Logan on honoring the student's requests, his mans, um, conditioning himself as the giver of all of the good things. And Logan took to this very quickly and the student responded really well. They naturally bonded and formed a really great relationship. He wanted to be around Logan, so much so um, the student loves Thomas and we have Sir Topham Hatt, at Thomas, he started going home and talking to his family about Sir Logan. And (laughs) the mom reached out to us and said, you know, tell me more about Sir Logan. Um, But she was just so overjoyed that her student, her child was coming home and communicating stories about school with her for really the very first time. And that was some of the impact that we had with having Logan as a paraprofessional within our classroom. So that's just one of the many highlights that we have with lots of really good memories of how our our program operated and really the joy or the Disney World pass, as Mrs. Mm-hmm. Bruno always said, uh,
0: that we offered to the students at Linglestown. Well, that's an amazing story. I have never heard that story before. <laughs> Sir Logan, what a powerful we'll start calling in that. Yeah, you might need to.
1: <laughs> Again, all the credit to Amy because that initial mini boot camp. I wouldn't have even known what a requester man was. So I think you know all the credit goes back to the consultation that we receive and, and the leadership in the classroom. So. Really wonderful.
0: When you know what you're expected to do, it makes your job so much easier. Absolutely. And so that's why effective training systems are so powerful. And being able to build the capacity of the classroom teacher who can then train the paraeducators and other team members and also collaborate with the related service providers is so important. It impacts students. Yeah. And if everyone is collaborating and knows um, the goals for that student, they're able to make positive impacts and change. So, Danielle, you transition now as the supervisor of special education within the district. So, you have moved on from the classroom and now are taking a leadership role, and you have the opportunity now to supervise Logan, who has transitioned from paraeducator to classroom teacher. Can you tell us anything that you've learned or that you've taken with you from the classroom and now are utilizing any skills that you might have from the classroom now into your leadership role? What are some of those skills that were needed to kind of step into this role and now supervise um, teachers? Sure. Um, so,
3: I'm learning very quickly and I have a very short tenure right now of being an administrator um, in the school system. but you really have to have a global picture of um, the classrooms that you're leading. And I just wanna, again, take a moment to really, um, I guess give a shout out to our director of special education, Miss um, Ann Zalounis, because she kind of saw a vision and a mission for our autism support classrooms and that great need that we had there. So I did have the privilege of stepping into the supervisor role of supervising all of our autism support classrooms in the district K to 12 which I think uh, focusing on that vision and that mission that you have for the direction that you want to take those classrooms is a really important um, concept to keep in mind. So you kind of have all of these different classrooms, these individual spaces that you're working with those teachers on, but you need to have a global perspective of where you want to take them. So you're looking at each teacher, you're looking at their strengths, their areas of need, how you can systematically provide training and instruction to those teachers and really honor what their strengths are. Um, And part of doing that is being within the classroom with the teachers, although elbow to elbow, able to work with them. So that um, servant leadership is a really valuable, very important um, concept, I guess, that I hold on to when I'm in the classrooms. I would never ask a teacher to do something that I didn't do when I was in the classroom or that I couldn't demonstrate or model for them. So kind of following that I do, we do, you do framework um, and taking that into a leadership role for the teachers. And um, a lot of the skills that I have learned came from receiving patent consultation as a teacher, going back and watching the National Autism Conference archives, or taking some time to just really focus on some professional development when I have the opportunity. So that way, I am, again, being that model of what a lifelong learner should be. So it's showing teachers as well, you know, if you have that drive, you have that p- passion, you're going to continue to grow and learn. Um, I want to be that model and lead by example for all of my teachers
0: so i hear you saying that you are serving others and that people are the priority you really value those relationships getting to know your teachers just like you did in the classroom getting to know all of your classroom team members identifying what areas they were really strong and what areas they needed to grow and then continuing now as a as a leader and a supervisor and also getting more training for things you don't know. Um, that's what we always wanna encourage, right? Our classroom team members as well, That. We don't. We might not have all the answers, but we might know someone who does, and that this life is all about continuing to learn and grow. And you know, we do better once we know better, right? And so it's important for modeling that for your classroom teams. That when someone new joins the team, you're not expecting them to immediately know everything and be able to implement any teaching procedures had they not had training. So what I hear you saying is serving others, taking the own of training them what they should be doing and how to do it being able to model that and as well working with your teachers Logan being able to do the same for his individual classroom team it's difficult to find that balance sometimes uh, especially
3: as you are an administrator and there's so many other things going on but I think when you can really um, hone in on what your priorities are within the classroom and looking at that student growth that can help Um, kind of reduce maybe some of those parent phone calls that you're getting or when you have to do some conflict resolution, you have a lot of information because you're prioritizing being in the classrooms and being around the teachers and having those relationships pre-built with people um, really is something that pays off in the long run. So. Um, and in addition, it's not just me that's doing this for the district. We have a really strong mentorship program here at Central Dauphin. Um, you know, we have mentor teachers that are established that teach the same thing as our mentee teachers. So they might not necessarily be in the exact same building, but they understand what it is that they're doing. And If they aren't in the same building they can't see each other we arrange time where i'll come in and i'll cover a teacher's classroom or we'll get a substitute to come in so that way they can conduct time where the mentee is observing the mentor and vice versa the mentor goes and observes the mentee so we're really working on building that capacity within the district to um, provide that level of training as well because again i'm only one person and i have 16 potentially 18 classrooms that i need to provide support to so when I can teach teachers how to do that, it really um, benefits everybody in the long run.
1: And before I stepped into, or while, as while I was stepping into the um, teaching position, Mrs. LeShack was actually my mentor teacher before she <laughs> stepped into the administrative role. So again, it was just another connection. And one thing that I think Danielle really models well for our other teacher, or for our teachers and other administrators is that she is really approachable and accessible. So just the way we make um, learning accessible for our students, she makes training accessible and she meets educators where they are. She meets us at our current level and doesn't expect us to learn five steps ahead. And that's really valuable. And she's also a resource that's readily available to us and not a source of judgment or, or punitive action. She's someone to come to with questions and she's gonna be a conflict resolver and, and a, a trainer. And that's really important because my relationship with her is one of openness where I can say, I'm having a problem with this in my classroom. How am I going to solve this? And she will sit down and have a think tank with me and we'll, we'll figure it out together. And that's something I think is so valuable in an administrative team to be accessible and available, not only at our level, but also at, at a level where we feel comfortable. And that it's really important to teachers. So we Thank appreciate you. that. Yeah.
0: I would say, call me Planet Fitness. I'm a no-judgment zone. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely sets the tone to make it safe and accessible. And uh, you noted that adult learners are students too, mm-hmm. right? So regardless, you want to use the same principles that we use for students, assessing what people know. So assessing what your adults in the classroom, what your staff know, and then developing a plan for providing training, mm-hmm. which is a really great segue. Amy, can you talk to us a little bit about um, what the role of PATENT is and describe um, how the PATENT Autism Initiative collaborates with local education agencies to provide um, supports to teachers?
2: Sure. So PATENT is the training arm of the Bureau of Special Education and the Department of Education. As much as I've been joking or I've joked a couple times about taking responsibility for or taking credit for what we have here. It is actually um, one of our goals within the Autism Initiative to build internal capacity. So we do work on training. We provide large-scale training, several large-scale trainings throughout the year to hundreds of people. Um, We also host the National Autism Conference, where we're able to disseminate information about applied behavior analysis and effective instruction to thousands of people. And then as we kind of um, drill down, we go into classrooms, hopefully about once a month, sometimes more, sometimes less, especially, you know, initially when we first started working with Logan as a brand new teacher, we did spend a few more days in his classroom initially, helping him get things set up, um, getting programs, student programs, working with him. And just like Danny, the things that we try to, to model, for Danny, for Danielle, and for other administrators in those positions when they're going to work with their teachers is you need to be able to roll up your sleeves and and get your hands dirty and work with students. And you need to be able to model these effective um, instructional methods that we're trying to teach. We don't just want to tell you about it. We don't ever just want to be someone who comes into your classroom and is observing, taking notes on a clipboard, and then telling you what you should do to get better. As patent consultants, I mean, and we were we've been had the pleasure to work in Central Dauphin for almost 10 years. And every district that we work in, no one we never solicit for people to come and get our support. People are reaching out to us. And I think that really goes to show how much districts and LEAs are willing and needing to attract and prepare and retain teachers. When as I think Ashley, you said it. Or best earlier. When you know what's expected and you know what to do, it's an easy it's easier to do your job and it's easier to be prepared for what you need to, to do. And then it's easier to stay in that position. So we're really working with LEAs and districts to train the classroom team, teachers, paraprofessionals, related service providers, administrators, families. Those are our top constituents. So um, I think we're just so lucky to work as patent consultants and to be able to come into classrooms like Danielle's and Logan's and all the classrooms that we support um, here in Central Dauphin School District and across the state.
0: So we know that there's a staffing crisis happening and we know that Logan, you've had very little any uh, attrition or staff turnover. So when we think about what is needed to sustain that's coming to work and having people wanting to be here and want to work with challenging learners, would you be able to identify, uh, Amy or any of you, you know, what skills do educators, so all educators thinking about paraeducators, teachers, what skills do these individuals need to have during these really challenging times?
2: Well, Danielle and Logan may have some different answers, but. Um and it's been a little while since I've been in the classroom as a classroom teacher, but I think the skills that we've always had as special educators, or that people have assumed that we always have, we're patient, we're resilient, we're flexible, are critical, of course, in this kind of tumultuous time. But I think for me, when I look at the classrooms who are the most successful, who have the least amount of turnover, because you mentioned Logan doesn't have any turnover, he hasn't had any attrition this year, but at the beginning, when no one really knew what they were doing or there hadn't been a lot of training. People weren't sure what this was supposed to look like or what the classroom was supposed to look like. There was a lot of turnover. Now that you have more systems in place and your administration is helping you develop those systems, you have less turnover. But I think um, for me, I would say it's the sense of urgency. It's a sense of urgency that teachers and classroom teams have to understand that these kids don't have time to waste. Mm -hmm. They're already far behind. They already have a lot of things to learn and we don't have time to have a schedule like you see behind us here that includes activities that don't lead to meaningful skill development. Mm -hmm. And when classroom teams understand that, that's when they're most successful. I know for me, when
3: I'm looking to bring on new staff members or hire new teachers, Um, Some of the qualities that I'm looking for to maintain for a longer period of time um, is the ability to be a lifelong learner Mm -hmm. and the desire to grow and learn. And know that what we're doing, education is a science, we use the science of applied behavior analysis. So you can't say I did this 10 years ago, it must remain the same because this is what I was told 10 years ago by somebody, but that you want to lead and you want to model and you want to grow um, and, and really truly understanding that and somebody who embodies that. Additionally, I think you know, you kind of have to have the ability, especially in these classrooms, to have fun, to step outside yeah. of your comfort zone, to be willing to. If a kid, you know, I've come in and I've seen Mr. Logan, Mr. Buffington, um, have a student come up and say, Play puppy chase, and he says, Okay, and he chases the student around the classroom and rup, 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 like a little puppy. Um, you know, if you're not willing to kind of step outside and do those things that's going to drive or motivate the students, um, then unfortunately you're probably not somebody who's going to last a long time or somebody who's going to experience a lot of success in this position so that kind of pairs well with you have to care about the kids you have to want to be here and see the growth and get excited and have that be something that's reinforcing because the bottom line is we're not here because we get paid millions of dollars and we become celebrities we're here because we see students grow and learn and do things at the end of the school year that we couldn't even fathom that they could do in
1: August. Yeah, this isn't just a job, this is a vocation across the board because this is something that you you have to be vested in to, to continue doing it. If you're just here for a paycheck or because this was the position open, that's wonderful because we really need you to learn, but it, it, you have to want to be here. It's because it's not easy some days and there are days where, you know, it's okay to struggle and there's, but you have to turn around, and Ashley has the best can-do attitude in the world, and uh, she, if I've learned one thing from her, it's that today was a bad day, but it's okay, because tomorrow will be better. And here are the great things that did happen today, even though it didn't seem like the best day overall. And I think that's really important for, for all educational team members. Absolutely.
0: When you love what you do, right? You don't work a day in your life. Absolutely. And so ensuring that staff know what they should be doing when they're here, and that they have opportunities for training, um, that they can think outside of the box and also you know, let loose and build relationships with students and their classroom mm-hmm. team members, and then always prioritizing instruction, that urgency. Students are here. To learn new skills and every day matters and so making sure that every moment of the day students are engaged responding and that things get better as a result of their learning. Well Logan um, I want to ask you if there's anything over these past two years, we know you're a new teacher, right? And so this is your second year. Is there any advice that you would give to anyone in the field that's interested or maybe kind of tiptoeing in, they're currently serving as a paraprofessional in a classroom and they're not sure if they wanna take on the journey of Going into education or becoming a special education teacher, what advice would you give
1: them? I think the biggest thing we've mentioned it a couple times already is be open to feedback and be coachable. Because in in the moments where you're seeking to do better, you're you're going to learn how to do better, and that's what um, you know Danielle and Ashley and Amy and all the patent educational consultants are here for. And I think sometimes I'll say that the days that you two come into my classroom Mm -hmm. are the most overwhelming days of the year because it sets my brain on fire a little bit. But they're also the most important days. And if I shut down and say, oh my goodness, they're critiquing all of this. They're giving me all this feedback. It's too much. I'm overwhelmed. I'm not growing from it. So I have to be willing to sit in that uncomfortable moment of feedback, which is really important and helpful. And then Really use it as a as a stepping stone to activate change in my classroom. Um, what the three of you tell me, and any and anyone who comes in and can give feedback, the, those things are the most important ways that my students are going to become more successful, and my team is going to grow as a team and become better educators. Um, and and not only being open to it, but then using those as action steps, create action items based off of those. Really pinnacle moments of having that patent consultation time or having your supervisor come in and then use those moments as opportunities for growth and, and action steps for growth.
0: So don't be afraid to make a mistake is yeah, what I'm hearing. Absolutely. Don't be afraid to fail forward. Absolutely. Continue to grow. Take every opportunity of a mistake is made. How can I correct it? It's How a, can learning make...
1: opportunity. a learning Failure opportunity. Failure is just a learning opportunity. We're not going to make the same mistake again because we know better. So we're going to do better but we have the tools to do better and that's what's really important.
0: Well, it's really been a pleasure talking with all of you today. Thank you guys so much for joining me. For more information about special education and evidence-based practices for autism, check out Patton's website and the National Autism Conference archives. I hope that you enjoyed our conversation. For more information about special education and evidence-based practices for autism, Check out the Patent website and the National Autism Conference archives. I want to thank our guests, Logan, Danielle, and Amy, for sharing their stories with us. Also, a very special thank you to John Ragsdale for producing this episode. Viewers and listeners, I hope you'll join me next time on (laughs) PatentPod.